Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. In fact, it's the number one daily podcast on the National Football League, on the number one daily sports podcast network. Your team is covered right here. Tell a friend about the Locked On Podcast Network. Not only NFL, but Major League Baseball, NBA, got hockey, college, your team covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, free agency draft, tis the season. We're only a week away from the combine, which is blowing my mind right now. It's coming quick. So it's Monday, Mock Draft Monday. We're going to take a look at Ben Solak's Mock Draft from the Draft Network, and a little bit of a quarterback-centric, quarterback-crazy mock, which I really like. So we'll dive into that, some of the scenarios with teams jockeying for position to get their franchise signal callers. Uh, but first, Matt, I want to take a look at free agency and specifically some cap numbers that I'm seeing thrown out there right now with teams that are that some of them need to still get under the cap by the time the new league year starts in March on March 18th aside from having enough money to add more free agents. Yeah, and to start, you mentioned the Combine's a week away. This time next week, I will be in a car headed towards Indy, so I'm not sure how we'll do our Monday show next week, but uh, there's a Steeler media dinner Monday night, and then I'll be on the air Tuesday through Saturday, I think. And it's a blast. I mean, we get a lot of, I would I'd say celebrity type. I mean, big name guys from the industry. Matthew Barry joins us every year. Greg Cosell. So I'm really looking forward to that and really is draft offseason mode. And to your cap point, you know, there's some news that I think is going to start happening rapid fire here. Like you said, there's some teams that are trying to make cap space. For example, Adam Schefter just reported a couple minutes ago that the Browns released TJ Carey, Demetrius Harris, Eric Cush, Adarius Taylor. And that opens up $13.3 million in cap space for them. So some of these numbers that we're going to talk about are going to be fluctuating very quickly in the next couple of days because this is a time of year when people get cut as cap casualties. You know, the Browns, for example, still could release Hubbard, their right tackle. That might still be coming. And what's one other note, just because I want to throw this out there, because it's a big deal going forward, is these guys that get released, they don't factor in the compensatory uh, pick formula. So if you sign guys that got released, it doesn't hurt you in terms of that equation. So these guys are worth a little bit more on the open market than the guys with expiring contracts. Yeah, and it is interesting how there are some people on the street before free agency starts and how that and, and there's a lot of guesswork here, too, because we've got I've, we've got two different things here. And I'm looking at the teams with currently that have the most the least room. And so the mm-hmm. most cap spent going into 2020 and Field Yates has his top five teams. It's the Jaguars, Chiefs, Steelers, Bears, Falcons, all of those teams over the one hundred and ninety six point eight million dollar salary cap for 2020 so forget shopping they still have to get under the cap first by march 18th and then looking at over the cap.com and uh, that crew does a really great job jason fitzgerald and uh, brad spielberger and a few others there Uh, i really trust their work none of these numbers are official they've got the vikings with the the least amount of cap space even ahead of the jaguars so um depending where you look there might be some different numbers there and i'm not sure how many of these people have the exact official numbers but the bottom line is there's a lot of teams up against the cap 
and you can restructure guys now. That hurts you in future years. There's some teams are able to roll over some cap money, so there's a lot of different factors that go into this thing, and it gets really crazy, and it's why you have a whole room full of people that are figuring out just this one aspect of your football team. Yeah, it's, it is a huge deal, of course, and you have to allot X amount for your draft picks as well. I mean, this doesn't include the rookies that are coming in. There's teams like the Steelers and Jags that I'm sure would love the franchise, Bud Dupree and Yannick Ndokwe. Uh, you got to have that that space opened up in order to do so here in the coming weeks. You mentioned the Vikes over the caps have them in the worst cap situation as we stand right now. And I don't think we know what the exact salary cap is going to be yet, but the Vikes are surely going to cut Xavier Rhodes. They could cut Riley Reef. They could cut Linvel Joseph. Everson, Everson Griffin's a possibility. I mean, good players. They're not in an enviable situation at all. The two teams that I think are most interesting here on Field Yates' list of five teams with the most cap commitments is number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars that have $216.9 million committed already to the cap. So they've got to subtract $20 million about just to get to the cap number for 2020. You yeah. talk about franchising Yannick Ngakwe, franchising a player, all of that money is on your cap that year. So long-term deals make a lot more sense for current cap situations than than franchising a player. And I just don't see any way they're able to keep Yannick Ngakwe because he wants to go. And at this point, you can't fit his his uh, 20, what, 18, $19 million for a defensive end franchise tag under the 2020 cap. It just can't happen. Right, and they have some dead weight they can cut, but, I mean, they aren't as good of players as I mentioned for Minnesota, and, of course, that's going to happen. But, boy, they – I really don't think they're a very well-run organization. Oh, man. You know I mean? They, they signed a lot of deals that are killing their, their cap now. And yeah, who are they paying? Out of it. They just traded away their best player. And because I mean, I mean, just think of it. If Ramsey was a free agent to be right now, right. how could they pay him? They put himself in a bad situation, so they had to basically trade Ramsey. That had to factor in. And we've talked about how bad those second contracts are for running backs. One of their best players yeah. left is a running back in Leonard Fournette. You're going to pay him big money. Uh, that so that they're in a bad situation there, overpaying a mediocre quarterback. I love Nick Foles, but that wasn't a very smart move cap wise or. Just team-building-wise, I don't think for the Jaguars. So a bad situation there. Uh, the other team, $210 million against the cap right now for 2020. So they've got to lose money, and they've also got to sign maybe the best player in the NFL. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and they also need the franchise Chris Jones, who's, to me, they yes. maybe their next most valuable guy, their best defensive player. Um, a note on the Jags, too, that that Foles contract is a bad one because I don't think he's a great quarterback. But unlike the Vikes, Steelers, Falcons, they don't have that $30 million quarterback either. I mean, that this just shows mm. how poorly they've managed their money. Yeah, and maybe with the Vikings, they could restructure or extend yeah, Kirk I think Cousins, and that could bring that $30 million contract down, at least for 2020, and, and that bonus be spread out to, to, uh, to years down the road. So there is some... I mean, there's a lot of ways that these teams can massage the cap, but it's very interesting to be $20 million over the cap about uh, three weeks before you need to be well under the cap, and that's still without even re-signing your own guys or signing other free agents. So some teams in some bad spots, and it's tough. It's the curse of being a very good football team in the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you fit in a, a record-breaking contract for a quarterback when you're already over the cap? Team number three is the Steelers. Where are they at with the cap? What do you think can be done there for them to get under and what would they be trying to do if they are getting under the cap? There's a handful of people that they will get rid of that are 
four million here, five million there. I think they will restructure Cam Hayward to open up three million or so. Um, I'm not sure if Vance McDonald will be back. Ramon Foster won't be back. I don't think Mark Barron will be back. There's a couple of those type of moves. But right now, Ben's contract is massive. He's one of the top five cap hits in the league this year. And even if they were to trade him or if he were to retire, they'd only open up like $8 million in cap space. So they're they're in a tight situation. I still think they'll be able to franchise Bud Dupree. Uh, they'll move some money around, but they're not going to be buyers. And I think it's noteworthy because the Bears on the over-the-cap list are have the fifth least amount of cap space. And why I brought up the Bears with the Steelers is neither one is cap room, neither one is a first-round pick. Yeah, at least the Jaguars have a couple extra first-round picks after that Jalen Ramsey trade. Uh, Just real quick to look at the other end of the spectrum, the Miami Dolphins have the most cap space, almost $90 million in space. The Colts in a really good spot, Bills, Bucks, Cowboys, a good thing for the Cowboys because they still need to spend a lot of money there. Uh, Texans, Broncos, Giants, those are uh, the top teams with the most cap room right now heading uh, toward the Combine. And the the Cowboys is going to dry up in a heartbeat, though. I mean, that's going to go to Dak, Amari, and then that's about it. I mean, Byron Jones is up. I mean, they have Quinn is up. So Dallas is – they're lucky they're in this situation, but it's going to go quick. The Colts, to me – the Colts and Bills are very interesting to me because they both have a solid infrastructure in place. Um, I don't think the Bills need much. The Colts probably will – there's, there's already rivers to indie rumors today. That would make some sense, and they have the space to do it. And the Colts also have the Redskins' second-round pick, which is a top 35 pick. So the Colts have a, they're in a really good position to make a lot of big-time moves if they want. You know, I like the, the Colts' conversation. I think we should pause on that and actually talk about them later in the week and give okay. them a little bit more time and maybe have the host of Locked on Colts on the show and get deeper into that because you had a tweet about an all-in scenario for the Colts that I liked that you sent out last week that I want to get deeper into as well. So let's tease the Colts for later this week and get into Mock Draft Monday. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's like blue, the color blue, and chew, because you can chew it. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. That makes a lot more sense to me. For instance, most guys talk a good game, but if you're one and done, Blue Chew can even help your follow-through for round two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Benjamin Solak dropped his mock draft. They they drop a brand new fresh mock draft every Monday at the Draft Network. This is a two-rounder with a ton of trades. So this is things are already getting fun with these mocks. A lot of stale mocks where you see, okay, Burrow 1, Young 2, 
Right. Uh, then you see Okuda. Then you see an offensive tackle to the Giants, depending on who that writer likes. And then you have Tua to the Dolphins. That's not how things are going to go. They're going to get crazy up top. I have a feeling, and this one definitely does. Um, starting, it does start with Joe Burrow to the Bengals. That it's, I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. Even though we really haven't heard the Bengals say much about it, it's hard to imagine them going another direction unless the Redskins get completely blown away. We talked about this last Monday, looking at mock drafts. Chase Young, number two, seems pretty well locked in, but there could be a team that tries to go over the number three spot, which most people think is the place where most of the trades are going to happen, as does in this mock draft, but the Redskins would definitely have to get blown away. In this mock, though, Ben has a different team moving up. This is the Carolina Panthers trading up with the Lions to number three to draft Tua. This is a fun mock draft for a couple reasons, and I've been saying this for a long time that, you know, even the, right around senior bowl time, I said, guys, all these quarterbacks are going to go earlier than you think. I mean, we didn't know Carson Wentz was going to be the second pick in the draft in February of his year coming out. And assuming Tua medically is fine, all these guys are going to go higher than everybody projects. And in this mock, that absolutely comes true. And trades make that feasible. Otherwise, we know that, you know, the Lions and the Giants aren't going to take one. But I don't think Tua gets past pick number three. And what I found interesting about this particular move was, first of all, it's Carolina, which I very much believe the Panthers are breaking it down and that the owner wants to totally rebuild it in his vision now with his coach, uh, in this case, his young quarterback. And Cam could be there or not. It doesn't matter in this scenario. But this is what the – in. I am I don't know exactly how the folks at the Draft Network, which are good friends of the show, I don't know how they make – they have some sort of trade calculator that you can go in there and offer trades and they'll say yes or no. But I don't know how they come up with that formula. But this is what the Lions would be getting in return to move from three to seven. They'd also pick up 38, which is the second rounder. You pick up next year's first – next year's fourth and a 2022 second. So if I'm the Lions, I go to three to seven, I'll either get Acuna or Simmons probably there, you know, and then we're not going to say how it went. You know, I mean, you don't know that when you make the trade, but you're going to get somebody you like. And you get all those other things to address many needs. So this would be a home run for the Lions. Absolutely. And you have to give up. I mean, you have to dip all the way into 2022 if you're a team like the Panthers just to move up from seven because you have a team at five in the Miami Dolphins that are a little bit closer and also have so many picks to spend. It's going to be hard to outspend the Miami Dolphins. At this point, the Dolphins are like, well, we already have two firsts we can offer. What else are we going to give up? And Panthers are like, look, take it all. Future second, future first. Uh, a second in 2022 here's everything and that still might not even be better than what Miami can offer with pick number five and pick number 18 right and most years I think you could get from seven to three a lot cheaper than this but not if there's a franchise quarterback sitting there that everyone loves that could have won first overall so depends who's a lot who's around and again this is a great situation for the Lions And there will be teams out there that look at Joe Burrow's arm and say, ah, he's got an average arm and we like Joe Burrow, but we actually like Tua better. And then there's the hip factor with Tua. So this could get wild with teams loving Tua, not wanting a part of him. Maybe the Miami Dolphins don't like the medical and other teams do. So they overspend thinking Miami could have traded up. There's so much going on. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of schadenfreude going on here and smoke screens about who likes who and who doesn't and uh man it's going to be fun when it does come to quarterbacks here um 
One other note actually here, Matt, really quick when it comes to quarterbacks that I find interesting, and this was tweeted out this morning by our colleague Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons about teams drafting quarterbacks in the first round. Over the past five drafts, 16 quarterbacks have been taken in round one. Nine of their coaches were fired at the end of that first year for the rookie quarterback. Wow. Four of those being fired mid-season. So of 16, nine of those coaches didn't survive the rookie season of the quarterback they just drafted in the first round. And then one of them actually retired. So <laughs> Paxton Lynch's year was so bad, Gary Kubiak just retired. So uh, that, that's that's how things can go when you draft a quarterback. Here's the list here. It is Lovey Smith was fired after Jameis Winston's rookie year. John Fox after Trubisky's rookie year in Chicago. Steve Wilkes with Rosen. Uh, Todd Bowles fired by the Jets after they drafted Sam Darnold. Pat Shermer fired after drafting Daniel Jones last year. And then midseason, those are just those guys lasted the whole season. Midseason, Ken Wisenhunt fired after drafting uh, Marcus Mariota midseason. Jeff Fisher with Jared Goff's rookie year. Hugh Jackson with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. And Jay Gruden just fired uh, midseason after dra- drafting Dwayne Haskins in the first round. And then their GM gets fired too. It's like, you don't have a plan? If you're drafting a quarterback in the right. first round, do you expect to be good? I don't understand that, but man, it's a curse. You're already bad. Then you're going to have a bad season because you draft a quarterback and then nobody survives. And now your quarterback's sitting there without the coach or the GM that, that drafted him. Right. It's, it's really interesting because you said it well there. I mean, like if you are drafting a quarterback in round one, unless you're like the Mahomes chiefs move, which is very rare, then chances are you're a bad team. You're looking for a franchise quarterback because you don't have one. And if you draft a quarterback in round one, that means you didn't get a running back or something that could be an impact player for that following year that maybe you squeak out an extra win or two. Is instead you have a quarterback in there growing with you know, with growing pains without much around them. So what do you want from the coach? But you know, we just know in this league that if you have two really bad years in a row, you're unlikely to stay. But the best thing for the quarterback. It prob- I mean, well, like Goff's case, he got lucky and yeah. upgraded in a big way. <laughs> and sometimes there were upgrades or you go get a quarterback whisperer to you know to help out your quarterback and the quarterback stays and the old co- coach doesn't. But you're right. I mean, if it takes a village to build, you know, to you know, grow, grow a quarterback, you just burn down this village after round one. <laughs> it's crazy. Maybe that's the yeah. GM looking at things like, hey. I was right on this quarterback. I drafted the right guy. You didn't coach him well now that we've seen year one. I want a new coach in here that's going to coach this guy better than you just did. Uh, but expecting or a bunch of... you're the of- GM and you, you you draft the right quarterback, everybody gets fired and the new staff comes in and, is like, and wins like crazy. Like, hey, I drafted that guy. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, so the, the only coaches that survived, and this is interesting because a lot of these guys moved up or were good coaches already that had a lot of wins under their belts, uh, that had quarterbacks in place. Doug Peterson with Carson Wentz, Bill O'Brien with Watson, Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, John Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson, uh, Sean McDermott with Josh Allen, and Cliff Kingsbury last year with Kyler Murray. Those are the only ones in the last five years that drafted a quarterback in the first round and kept their job after the that rookie season. Crazy. I mean, you would think the number would be higher. And it's funny because I didn't hear that tweet until you said it right now, and I thought you were going to say... X amount of the first round quarterbacks were trade ups because you know, that's what we were talking about in this mock. Because there's been a lot of trade ups, including Watson, yeah. Wentz, Mahomes, some of the success stories. A smart organization gives a lot up to go get them. In fact, going into, was it last year? 
There was a stat I saw that every single first-round quarterback was traded up for until I think it was the Josh. Did they trade up for Josh Rosen? They did trade up for Josh Rosen. They did. Was the quarterback? Yeah. It must like have been Mayfield. They oh, did. it was Mayfield. It was Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. Mayfield was the yeah. first quarterback in years who was drafted in the first round that wasn't traded up for. I think is, yeah. is what the stat I mean, even was. the Rams for Goff traded up for him, and people right. forget some of these things. Yeah, I mean Trubisky, they moved up one spot. Yep. If you love a quarterback, you never feel safe that that guy's going to get to you, even if you're drafting, you know, three, five, and the team in front of you doesn't need a quarterback. So that's going to be fun, and there could be a ton of trades like Ben shows here. The way this mock goes, Ben has the Giants taking their tackle of choice, which is a pretty chalk pick, but if I was Miami and I lost out of two or three, I might make a Trubisky-type move to yep. make sure I get the four. You get a little nervous, and that could You're be right. – you could even give up a fourth-round pick or you know a third or a right. future or whatever, like nothing major, just to get up that one spot, just to make sure if you do have another quarterback that you really like, and that's it. And actually, let's get to that next. Pick five overall, where do the Miami Dolphins go if they don't get Tua? If the Dolphins hold their water at five, Tua goes three, somebody else moves up in front of them – and someone like the Chargers at six don't jump them again to pick four to get a quarterback, two quarterbacks off the board. Now the Dolphins on the clock at five. I mean, they go Herbert here, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think Tua and Burrow are clearly better prospects than Herbert. But to my earlier point, the Chargers at six wouldn't have to give up much to go to four to take their guy that they like. And the Giants would still get their tackle of choice at six. That's a great point. It's a no-brainer, even if you don't get a ton in return if you're the Giants. And knowing how close these tackles are, maybe they have two tackles that they really like and they're guaranteed to get their guy, even if they move down you know, a handful of spots. And there's definitely a run in most of these mocks we see with offensive tackles. Ben has Willis going to the Giants. Then a few picks later, he has another run with Mekhi Becton and Andrew Thomas, eleven or 10 and 11. But... The Dolphins going Herbert at five. Now you have the Chargers, who are another team, because that five, six, seven is a crazy run there. What do the Chargers do at six? If their quarterbacks they like just got drafted right in front of them and they weren't able to move up, Jordan Love is the guy that Ben has going here at number six. So that's four quarterbacks in the first six picks. It is. And to my point, that would not blow me away. I mean, I think Love is more of a roller coaster, but you see with, you know, I'm not saying he's Mahomes, but he's stylistically something like Mahomes. And there's some similarities as prospects that people might look at that and say, hey, that's a high upside guy. I'm going to take him super high. Another quarterback goes early in this draft. And the beauty of it is for teams like the Lions that went to seven, they still get a CUDA in this deal. Or if the Giants were to move back three or four spots, they still get their tackle of choice. And a really interesting pick to me here, too, is the Cardinals at eight. Because every mock you see, and most of those don't have the benefit of trade. So, they, you know, Tua goes five. And the Cardinals usually either get Judy or Lamb or one of these tackles. And I think there's a really good chance that happens. But if all this ha- action does occur, the quarterbacks are falling in the top seven. The Cardinals take Derek Brown here, which is a gift, in my opinion. I mean, I really think he bored that him and Chase Young are kind of neck and neck for best defensive prospect in this draft. I mean, he is a beast. And sure, the Cardinals could use a tackle or receiver. That makes perfect sense. But if a higher ranked blue chip player falls to you at eight for Arizona, you just jump on it. 
Oh, it's amazing. Seven, eight, nine really make out in this mock draft because, yeah. as you mentioned, the Lions still get Okuda, the guy that everybody mocks to them at number three overall. And you get a first, a future first rounder. You get an extra second this year, an extra second in 2022. And look, the Lions might not be great. They're drafting number three overall for a reason. And we just talked about rookie quarterbacks and how those seasons go. The Panthers might not be great. If you're the Lions, maybe you find out next year, you know what, we want to move out, move on from Matthew Stafford. Now you're in position to draft Lawrence, possibly number one overall. So the Lions make yeah, out like bandits here, uh, moving down to pick number seven. The Cardinals, as you mentioned, getting Derek Brown, who's a stud at eight, and then the Jaguars getting Isaiah Simmons at nine. Those teams really make out if they are sitting back and a bunch of quarterbacks go at the top of the draft. My question now to you, Matt, is what do the teams do that are in the teens that hoped one of these quarterbacks, Jordan Love, or maybe even Justin Herbert was going to fall to them. Yeah, and before we get to that, just to that that point, if you get a Cuda at seven, Brown at eight, Simmons at nine, I mean, those are three of the top four or five best players in the draft. I mean, position aside, I mean, they're better players than Herbert. They're better players and better prospects than Herbert or Love. I mean, that is stealing, and I do think that there's a chance it goes that way. The teens, well, right before the teens, we got another trade up with Tampa to go get Jacob Eason, yet another quarterback. And boy, he fits the Carson Palmer downfield um, Bruce Arian system. But those teen teams that you are talking about would love that. You know, like, oh, go get another, take another quarterback away from us, <laughs> right. especially one that might not really be a surefire first round type guy. And we talked about the Colts. They end up with C.D. Lamb at 13. I, I mean, mean like most yeah. drafts, I think C.D. Lamb goes top five. Right. And so uh, Jerry Judy actually goes, wait, did Jerry Judy go already in this mock? He's in that neighborhood too. He's So, yeah, so the Colts are sitting there at 13. They get their pick of whatever wide receiver they like in this draft, which I like those receivers better That's at right. 13 than I do in the top 10. But tell me more about Eason. How much of Eason have you watched? I haven't considered him as a top 15 potential prospect, but in a quarterback crazy draft, you're the Buccaneers at 14. You can't even sniff any of those other quarterbacks, and you liked this guy. Now you got to go make a move and move up to get your quarterback at pick 12. Is Easton that good of a prospect? Even forget the trade-up to draft in the middle of the first round? I've seen him in this neighborhood, and I know less about him than the others, but he is a heavier-footed, old-school Bledsoe, Carson Palmer, drive the ball down the field, big-armed, tall, powerful, 1985 prototypical player. By the way, Jerry Judy, like. Jerry Judy falling all the way to 19 in this mock with the Raiders, and there's I'm definitely... sorry, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that's, exactly what he, that's exactly what Ben says here, uh, but... I mean, you never know. It depends on who teams like. And and look, Javon Kinlaw falling to 17. Tristan yeah, Wirfs at 18 to the Dolphins. The quarterback craziness at the top. And then it all it takes is a couple teams to like a different player than how you have your board. And again, the draft is always so much more insane, even than the craziest mock draft you see, because 32 teams have 32 different boards, even though there's, you know, you, there's a lot of group think going on in the NFL. But you'll be surprised on draft day. And it's not insane to think that... Uh, Kinlaw could fall to the Cowboys at 17 and Jerry Judy could fall to the Raiders at 19, even if it's very unlikely. Yeah. I mean, if you have five quarterbacks going in the top 12, somebody, I mean, the math isn't hard to figure out The people with high grades are going to fall. And if you're not a quarterback needy team, 
and something even close to this happens, which I think is possible, it's much like the Lions conversation and the Cardinals conversation. You're going to get guys that you have ranked higher than your draft slot. Here's another, and this will probably end our conversation today. I looked at a lot of prospects at wide receiver this weekend. That was my film project yeah. over the weekend. And I looked at the wide receivers and this was billed as the class, the best class so since 2014 good. or even better. And I like this class a lot. In my mind, the wide receivers I saw, this class does not sniff how good 2014 was to me, even though it's very good. And Jerry Judy, I like a lot. And C.D. Lamb, I like a lot. But none of those guys, I would say, are slam dunk top 10 picks like some uh, stud player, players we've seen in the past. And coming, I'm talking about coming out as prospect. In hindsight, right, right. In hindsight, maybe you like Henry Ruggs more than a, a speedster like Sammy Watkins. But to me, Sammy Watkins was a top 10 pick. Uh, just even more dynamic, uh, explosive, a little bit bigger than Henry Ruggs. Um, you had, uh, I mean, that draft was crazy. Where's the Allen Robinson in round two? You know, where's that type right, of right. player? I don't see it here. It's Evans, a really Odell. I mean, right, right, Odell, so. right, Odell. I didn't even mention and um, Mike Evans. This class is not quite on that level, even though it's really good. And I think, I think the sweet spot is right here where the Raiders are at nineteen. I think maybe in the twenties if. There's not a crazy run going on, but if you're drafting these guys and putting them all in the top 10, I think that's maybe a little bit high. And even though it's deep, I don't see this class matching up quite to the hype from what I saw on tape so far. I still have some more prospects to watch. There's guys like uh, LaVisca Chenault, which I don't like at all. I, I, he might even be a running back more than a wide receiver, even though he's super athletic, very Cordero Patterson vibes, a uh, mm -hmm. good and bad from, from Chenault. And, and that's a player I wouldn't want to draft in the first round, despite all of his physical ability and a, ability to run after the catch. T Higgins is just missing a little bit something, even though I could see him sneaking into the first round. So it's a very good wide receiver class. It's a deep wide receiver class. I think the strength of this class is where, you know, you get Denzel Mims in the third round or something like that, rather than drafting a guy in the top 10. It's a good point. And people haven't gone down that road much because everyone loves the shiny new things, but in a way people are disrespecting the 2014 class a little bit. I mean, <laughs> right. Sammy was a superstar prospect. I mean, the Bills traded up for Sammy. He was the first receiver off the board in that class, and no one batted an eye. I mean, Mel Todd, everybody had Sammy ahead of Odell and Evans, and it didn't work out that way, and injuries had something to do with it. But let's not forget what a prospect he was. I mean, if he was in this draft coming out of Clemson, he would be, you know, top five-ish type guy too. I mean, like, he'd go ahead, in my opinion, of Judy and Lamb, who both are great. Um, the thing you touched on though, that I liked though, was the depth. And I do think the smart mark mock drafters will, you know, the Cardinals are a perfect example. A lot of people mock a wide receiver or a tackle to Arizona at eight fine or the jets. But I think the smart move in this class is take the tackle, wait till round two and three and hope you get the next Michael Thomas, Juju. I mean, a lot of good receivers in this league came in round two and three Absolutely. and this year is probably better than ever yep i totally agree that's a great place to end this one matt uh we've got many more conversations to come i'm excited to talk a little bit about your all-in strategy potentially for the indianapolis colts we're going to hit every team and get team specific here in the offseason we'll get position specific when it comes to the draft and and team needs and free agency there's a lot to get into we got a twitter thursday coming up this week and then we'll be back tomorrow doing it all again right here locked on nfl